Our scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, the fifth chapter. I'm going to be, begin reading at verse 11, read through the end of the chapter, and the message this morning is especially based, based upon verse 20. This is the word of the Lord. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen <clears throat> rather <clears throat> than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again." So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Dear sisters and brothers, as professing Christians, we are often too reluctant to speak about Jesus Christ, too unwilling to tell others who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you know the name Terry DeBoer? Terry DeBoer, a meteorologist on a local TV station. How long do you think Terry DeBoer could keep this position in the public eye if suddenly she decided, I am no longer going to speak? Soon she would be fired. A politician who won't stay in office very long if he doesn't speak and doesn't campaign. Officials of government are frequently called upon to address certain issues, to speak a word on behalf of country or community. As Christians, we must learn from these things. As Christians, as Christ followers, we are ambassadors for Jesus. We have both the proud privilege and the awesome responsibility of representing Jesus. By every word and action, we can either lead people to think more or think less of Jesus 
and his church. So think with me what it means when Paul says that we are ambassadors. An ambassador of Christ is a representative of Jesus Christ. This word of Scripture, we are Christ's ambassadors, applies to every one of us as believers. It doesn't apply simply to myself or others as a pastor, others who may be leaders in ministry in church. Paul addresses this letter to the church of God in Corinth. Those were the original readers. This morning as we read this Scripture, God through the Holy Spirit and his servant, the Apostle Paul, addresses this word to the church of God known as Cutlerville East Christian Reformed Church. It's for all of us. To be a true representative, we must be a member. An ambassador of the United States must first of all be a citizen of the United States. If you're going to campaign for the Republican Party or a Republican candidate, you ought to be a Republican. Well, the Scripture teaches us that every Christian is a member of Jesus Christ. And that Scripture teaching is summarized for us in question and answer 32 of the Heidelberg Catechism. The question asks this, why are you called a Christian? And the answer begins, because by faith I am a member of Christ, and it goes on to say, and I share in his anointing. So sisters and brothers, every one of us represent Jesus. What people think of Jesus is often determined by what they think about us, and maybe even to a greater extent, what people think about the church is determined by what they think about us. Everything that we do and say, everything that we fail to do and say is important for the cause and the sake of Jesus and his people. Ambassadors are representatives. Ambassadors are also messengers, official spokespersons, The message that an ambassador brings has authority, has meaning, and is carefully considered by all those who hear those words spoken. But the message has authority and validity only as long as it is consistent with the will of the person that the person represents. She speaks with the authority of a country or a community as long as she speaks according to the will of those people. Andrew Young, who was formerly a mayor of Atlanta, was appointed to be the ambassador to the United Nations when Jimmy Carter was president. This was a time in the late 70s when there was ongoing conflict and turmoil in the Middle East between Israelis and Palestinians. Andrew Young got himself in a lot of hot water, big, deep trouble, because he addressed the United Nations, went off script, ad-libbed, said things that were clearly against the policies of President Carter. And because of that, 
As an ambassador, he was relieved of his duties, fired from his position, because the message that he brought was not clear and consistent with the leader that he represented. The message we have comes as a result of a direct commission. Jesus said to his followers, you are my witnesses. And so to be an ambassador for Christ, to be a faithful messenger for Jesus, we must be sure that we bring the message he has given us to share. Ambassadors are representatives. Ambassadors are messengers. And ambassadors are foreigners. The names of some ambassadors that you might know or remember are these. A Grand Rapids businessman, Peter Secchia, was an ambassador for some years to Italy. A business person, politician, Peter Hoekstra, was an ambassador to the Netherlands. A former governor of Michigan, James Blanchard, was an ambassador to Canada. An ambassador lives in a foreign land. An ambassador lives among people who usually follow a different way of life and who obviously have a different allegiance. We live in this world, but our citizenship is in heaven. This earth is not our home. We're here for an indefinite amount of time on business for our Lord and King. Ambassadors are foreigners, and foreigners are often not popular. The Scripture teaches that those who are in darkness hate the light and want to get rid of the light. As foreigners, we are often viewed as the enemy. Even though the message that Jesus has given us to bring and to share with others is a life-changing message, if people hear it and respond in, with repentance and faith, their life will forever be changed. But at the same time that our message is life-changing, it is life-threatening. Don't be surprised if as a Christian you are hated, you are despised. The world and the culture in which we live values tolerance and choice and diversity. And the message that we bring is that there is only one way to be saved. There is only one name given among people on this earth by which we can be made right with God, and that is the name of God's Son, Jesus, the one and only Savior. It was Jesus himself who told and taught his disciples while he was with them on this earth, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Expect it. He said, as the world hated me, so it will hate you. So as Paul says we are ambassadors, don't think that this is an easy task. This is simple, no problem. It's not easy to be an ambassador for a hated Lord, but that's the position we're in as ambassadors for Christ. 
that Christ who said, Matthew 10, 22, all men will hate you because of me. This is our role as ambassadors, representatives, messengers, foreigners. And as ambassadors, the appeal that we make, the presentation that we make, Paul says in verse 20, is simply this, be reconciled to God. If your Bibles are still open, you can look at verses 18, 19, and 20 in which he uses several phrases to describe the appeal that we make. Verse 18, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, God committed to us the message of reconciliation. And then that message is outlined in verse 20, be reconciled to God. The good news of the gospel of grace is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Notice how Paul writes that. It's God who initiates reconciliation. The Bible never says to people who ask, what must I do to be saved? Be reconciled to God. No, when we read in the book of Acts, when people were convicted by the By the Spirit, the apostles responded, repent and believe in Jesus. No human being can reconcile himself or herself to God. It's God who initiates this. But it's only through faith in Jesus that people separated and estranged from God can be brought back, can be welcomed in, can be restored to fellowship with the Creator, Savior, God. Not only does God begin the ministry of reconciliation, God himself is the goal of reconciliation. Personally, I have great appreciation for these heartwarming stories of people who had been separated estranged, loved ones who had lost contact with each other and suddenly came back together. This is one of my favorites. Two people, one male, one female, began working at Home Depot at approximately the same time. Initially, they worked in different departments, but they knew who each other were and talked with each other occasionally. As they continued to work there, they were in conversation more often. And eventually, they both were working in the same department or area of Home Depot, and so they had opportunity to be in conversation with each other more and more. They learned about each other's past, their personal history, things that were important, their birth dates, and so forth. And when the woman learned about the man's birth date, questions arose in her mind. When she was single, in desperation because she found out that she was pregnant, she carried that child 
full term, gave birth, gave her son up for adoption, and never saw him again. And how surprised and how thankful she was when she learned that this man, who began working at Home Depot the same time as she did, was her biological son. Two people, far apart, come together. What love, rejoicing, and celebration it leads to. This reconciliation with God has lasting effects. All of us as sinners have been separated from God and were far from God, but brought near through faith in Jesus, brought near to God by the grace of God himself and the work of the Spirit and his word. And once we have been reconciled with God, the consequences are forever. At the end of Romans 8, Paul is asking the question, what is it in all of this world, what is it in anything that you can imagine or think about that's able to separate a believer and Jesus Christ and his love? And his conclusion is, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As ambassadors, we work for peace. We work for peace as we bring our appeal, be reconciled to God. The gospel of reconciliation is the good news of the gospel of grace. And Paul tells us that this task is urgent. We can't put it off. He writes in verse 20, We implore you. We would probably translate that, We beg you. We may not be people who hold and who make and hold cardboard signs at busy intersections asking for money or anything that other people would give us. But we all know what it means to beg. I remember my early years. I begged for a toy. When I was old enough to drive, I didn't have a car. I begged for the privilege of going away. I begged my parents that I could use their car. We know what it means to beg. We implore you, we must be beggars that people would believe in Jesus. We must plead with them. We must urge them. We must encourage them. But we must always present the message of the gospel in the spirit of the gospel. We must not present the gospel as though it's just cold, hard facts, verses, scriptures, take it or leave it. There you have it. We must present the message of the gospel so that it reflects the heart and passion of our God. What is the heart and passion of God? The scripture makes it plain. The heart and passion of God is that no one would be lost. Everyone would turn from themselves and their sin 
repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus. The gospel comes with urgency, with compelling and compassionate love. We must beg others, but not beat them. At times, I think it's easy for us to make the mistake of trying to beat people into the church and the kingdom of God. As we read through the Gospels, it's, I think, helpful and instructive for us to notice the way in which Jesus interacted with people, the way he responded, the way he carefully and persistently showed God's love. As Christ followers, we should not be more coercive or forceful than Jesus was. He pleaded with people in love, but in another sense, he pressured no one. It's unfair for myself as a pastor, for parents or grandparents, to pressure people to believe. On the other hand, it's equally unfair for those to whom we share this message to say that we're twisting their arms when actually what we are doing is urging and pleading and begging in love. God makes his appeal through us. We must lovingly beg people to be reconciled to God. Are you reconciled to God? Can you say with certainty your life is right with God? Do you know that your trust and faith is in Jesus and Him alone? As believers, we are ambassadors, representatives, and messengers living in a land that is not our home. As ambassadors, we appeal for peace. We beg and try to persuade people to believe in Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel of grace that you have given to us. We thank you that you have given us your Son to be our Savior, our teacher, our Lord, our example. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who guides and directs, who gives us words when we don't know how to pray, who gives us testimony when we're not exactly sure what to say. And so help us to rely upon your spirit and your word. Give us courage. Give us faith. Give us love. In Jesus' name, amen.